your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, it's great to welcome to the studio a Limerick man who does his work in the Big Apple these days with the New York Times, and that's Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist uh, Malachi Brown. He's at the University Concert Hall here in Limerick tonight, and he'll be discussing modern, cutting-edge approaches to investigative journalism, uh, as important, if not more important than ever. And Malachi, you're very welcome. Thanks very much for popping into us. I think you're literally just off a plane, aren't you? That's right, yeah. Yeah, landed there about an hour ago. My friend Jackson Coleman brought me in. Good stuff. Yeah. Tell us a bit about life in New York then, just generally first. Generally, oh, we're over there about six years ago. Myself and my wife and, and the family moved over and um, settled in, in in and out to the to the city every day. Um, you know, uh, well, now that we're back after COVID um, and uh, it's a city of extremes, you know, there's incredible wealth and opportunity there. And uh, at, on the other side of it, there's a, there's a lot of poverty and homelessness and, and mental health issues that you see people falling through the, the health system there as well. So um, you get it all in New York, I suppose. And was the New York Times your first stop there work-wise? Uh, it was, yeah. yeah. Prior to that, I was based in Ireland but working with another uh, media company um, that was uh, set up by the, the guy who founded eBay and he put a lot of his money into a, a group called The Intercept and uh, and we were kind of a sister newsroom to them doing um, social media investigations and news, yeah. Yeah. Um, and where in New York itself is the Times HQ? Uh, just off Times Square. Uh, I didn't know this, but Times Square is is named after the New York Times publication. Um, and the, the building was, was uh, right there on 43rd Street for the longest time. And now we're a couple of blocks uh, further south in a new building. Yeah. And tell me, I know it's not going to happen because you're just off a plane and the thing was all a bit rushed, but will the heart rate go down a little bit? I mean, is it all just a bit faster in New York? Um, uh, It isn't, it isn't, you know. Um, I think that, um, no, no, it's grand. Will the heart rate come down? I don't know. The the blood pressure will be up until the the UL gig this evening finishes, I think. Yeah, Um, and just a journalistic background in the family, isn't there? You better tell people about that, Maliki. That's right. Uh, uh, An uncle of mine is uh, is Vincent Brown, so I was uh, exposed to that from an early age. Um, And I suppose it's ultimately what led me into into the field. Yeah, and I think your dad's known from radio as well. Am I right about that? That's right, Dad. I worked in, uh, in, in radio out in um, West Limerick uh, for a while and uh, you know a lot of uh, volunteerism and, and, and different uh, yeah, ab- different organisations you know absolutely Mam too here in the Children's Grief Centre actually oh really in Limerick oh, yeah, yeah, yeah they do amazing work yeah, yeah. fantastic so um, I was trying to think I'd say maybe what is it you and Frank McCourt are the only Limerick people to win Pulitzer Prizes is that right? <laughs> I, I, I'm thinking I am right about that. I'm, I, I think I've now interviewed both of them. So, um, I know and, Samantha Power has anyway for her oh, book. Oh, has she? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and also um, Emmys and awards galore and, and all of that. But, but tell us about uh, the sort of work that you are engaged in. Yeah, our, our team, say if there's, you know, as there was last, last year, the US, one of its, one of its final acts uh, coming out of Af- Afghanistan was a drone strike on what they said was a terrorist. Um, and it looked very quickly like that was a, a dreadful mistake. Um, as soon as that happened, one of our team um, looked at the videos that were coming out of Kabul, uh, cross-referenced it with, with Google Earth, found the location so reporters could go there. We had a re- Most of our team were out of Afghanistan, but we had one reporter still there. Um, and he went there and the family were like, 
this guy's no terrorist and they're after killing seven kids and two of other family members. Um, and so the Pentagon was under pressure. Um, and what we did was went to the scene, um, analyzed, uh, took lots of uh, photographs and videos, sent them to weapons um, experts to analyze it. The Pentagon was claiming, for instance, that there was um, a second blast and, and that was why so many people were killed and the last, second blast were the explosives that this person was allegedly carrying. Um, <clears throat> I don't know many terrorists, but I, I'm not sure that, it's, that that's the kind of line of work that you take your work home with you. Um, so there, it seemed reflexive as well and because it came a day after um, the horrific uh, attack at the suicide blast at the at the Abbey Gate. Um, but anyway, we, we went, went around and, and um, talked to his colleagues and really retraced his steps and it was including um, CCTV at his um, his place of work where he was loading barrels of water into his boot, into the trunk of his car because um, the water was out in his neighbourhood and the Pentagon said that they were explosives um, and they had been looking for a white Corolla. He drives a white Corolla and um, um, but there are thousands of white Corollas in Kabul and they got the wrong guy um, and they finally came out and admitted their mistake. So if there are events like that, what we do is we collect documentary evidence that shows irrefutably um, what happened and, and, and finds the truth of the event. So be it that or, you know, the January 6th riot, collecting all of that footage, making sense of the chaos of that day, um, or, you know, using satellite imagery to spot, you know, ships that have turned off transponders and are carrying illicit goods or, or shipping weapons and that kind of stuff. So, mm. um, so it's a multimedia approach then, in, including in terms of the platforms that you use under the Times banner, yes? Yeah, it's it's turning over rocks all over the, 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 the web and digital rocks and, and then getting on the ground, finding evidence and connecting the dots between all of those. And then we present them as videos, usually the, the bigger pieces, both on our site and on YouTube, but then they're spliced out for Instagram, Twitter, Telegram, you name Facebook, you name the platform. Uh, and then on site as well, we'll often do um, pieces that are interactives. It might be a bit of text weaving into a video or something. Yesterday, we published a story based on a trove of intercepted phone calls of Russian soldiers uh, from the battlefield in Ukraine, which gave you really good insight into what was happening there and the failures that, that, that they were account, um, recording. And you've been looking at Vladimir Putin for a while, haven't you? Well, we haven't been looking for him, but he pops up quite a lot. And um, he, uh, you know, in Syria, he, you know, we caught him bombing hospitals, uh, his, his his army bombing hospitals and civilians um, repeatedly. Even after we published the fact, I think a couple of weeks later, he bombed one of the same hospitals again. Um, and um, yeah, this year in Ukraine, you know, when they pulled out of Bucha and said that the atrocities there, the, the bodies in the streets had nothing to do with us. Um, you know, very quickly, we just looked at um, satellite imagery over the last few few weeks and you could see the bodies in the exact same position laying there for weeks while Russian soldiers uh, controlled those streets and had checkpoints around the place. So, you know, there's just uh, fallacious um, excuses that they've continued, by the way, this week at the UN Security Council. Uh, his, his foreign minister, Lavrov, have, have continued. Um, but then we continued with that work uh, on the ground in collecting more evidence and um and, and and that's what led to these intercepts and also a story that showed uh, Russian soldiers executing eight men behind a building. We're chatting to Limerick man Malachi Brown of the New York Times. He is at the University Concert Hall in Limerick uh, tonight to talk about cutting-edge approaches to investigative journalism. 
the New York Times has enormous credibility um, as a brand. And fairly or unfairly, that probably puts all of you under an awful lot of pressure to get things right. Yeah, it does. It's actually <laughs> from a kind of a position of fear that we go to the lengths that we do to collect this evidence and, and make sure that we're uh, we're right in the facts that we're putting, uh, putting out. Um, and so this type of work kind of lends itself to that, I think. It's very technical. If you want to answer the who, what, where, why and when of journalism, you know, we, we tend to just break that down and like, what are the little facts that all add up and, and, and allow us to arrive at a conclusion? But it's very expensive journalism, isn't it? You know, you, you probably have, what, a handful of newspapers, maybe in the world now, who are prepared to put that sort of um, um, resource into it. It is. It, it can be expensive. And our team is now 17 and we sometimes take a year-long investigation. And journalism is expensive. And I would encourage anybody who's listening, if they can afford it, I know times are tough, but please pay for journalism because it's expensive and revenues are, are falling. Um but uh, but you can do it, if you look at groups like Bellingcat, um, they do very similar work to us and are pioneers in it. And they're a collective of sort of amateur journalists who just figured this stuff out and, and put it together on a blog. And they've, they've cracked some really big investigations like who attempted to kill Navalny um, and um, showed the, 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 uh, how Russia shot down MH17 over Ukraine, that, that uh, passenger plane. Um, using the same methods and um, and not with a lot of money. So it's possible for newsrooms to to take this on and to try it out. I mean, we started with just a couple of people. Um, so uh, it, 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 it can be expensive, but it also can just, you know, be, be a natural part of whatever your output is. Yeah. And then we absorb a lot of American media here. I mean, even, for mm. example, this morning, the hurricane in Florida. I mean, if the situation was reversed... And we had very severe winds here in Ireland. There's no way that people in Florida are going to be interested in the weather here. But we're listening to it. We're watching it. We're absorbing it. And indeed, we're absorbing lots of American media. But it maybe skews our view of both media and America as a result. Or does it? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, if you're... Uh, Ireland is a very outward looking country, I think. America, less so. Um, by and large, um, some people blame American sports for that, um, that they, they compete less on an international stage in their main sports. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It, 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 it certainly can skew you. Um, uh, I mean, the impression given, yeah. for example, is that there is a few, there are a few organizations over there, maybe the New York Times being one example, Washington Post, maybe some on the West Coast as well, who, you know, attempt at least to be neutral. But that a lot of the rest of the media is taking positions and building narratives that are quite dangerous to democracy. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're talking about Fox News and CNN and MSNBC, the broadcast realm is entirely different, I think, to to the print realm. Um, and, you know, they've, they've, I suppose, since the advent of the 24-hour news cycle, um, you know, a lot of the original journalism that they would have been known for has turned into an opinion and analysis journalism off whatever news has been broken by newspapers on a, on a given day, and the talking heads and pundits come in. And so they, that definitely um, is quite different to Irish media. Um, and you see the polarisation of, like, anything from wearing a mask during COVID to protect yourself and others 
um, you know, to, to other health health measures around um, school um, school closings and, and, and that kind of thing. Everything seems to be polarised over there. And and it is, you know, um, a broken country in many ways. Like the the opioid crisis was one thing, but the, the, the gun crisis really is a public health issue over in, this, in America. And, you know, the problem is that there's no way to break through um, and to change things radically. Um, and, um, yeah... There's some some appalling things. Part of it is the money in politics as well. Yeah, yeah, the fact that it can be funded and very rich people and all of that. Now, we have, unfortunately, a very serious war happening in Europe, um, which you mentioned briefly earlier. And the US are putting billions and billions on the Ukrainian side, weapons and and other aid. But is there a, a sense over there of the seriousness of this war or does it feel very far away to them? I... Mm, maybe I, because I'm covering it, I'm, I'm paying more attention to it. Um, but I think it, I think there is. Um, I think that I, I see it coming up in in the broadcast, the broadcast media. Um, again, I think it depends on what, what side of the aisle you're on. You know, I, I think even that has been politicized, and you you find hosts like Tucker Carlson, um, you know, almost in support of uh, of Russia or, or really uh, questioning. Uh, what Biden is doing in in um, in supporting the the war, and it does feel as though we're at a very dangerous place. I mean, you know, everyone listening to this show has been affected by this war: energy prices, cost of living. We had a budget during uh, the week. Um, there are fifty thousand, and by Christmas there'll be sixty thousand Ukrainian refugees in Ireland. Many of them in Limerick. It's it's a very real lived experience for us, bar the obvious which is we're not having missiles fired um, at us. But at the same time, it, it feels as though it could be a really, really dangerous situation at any moment. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're seeing the escalation now on Russia's side, the calling up of reservists um, and um, the opposition to that at home as well, actually, is quite interesting. Um, uh, and then th- threats of, of even further uh, military ex- escalation. Um, you know... In our work, we don't have an anti-Russia agenda. We investigate American airstrikes like the one in Kabul and, you know, the, like the terrible war in Iraq um, that, that, that America perpetrated as much as Russian ones. But one thing about the Russian wars is that from Chechnya to, to, to Georgia to Syria and now to Ukraine, you know, they have got away with it. They're using the same tactics, the same um, attacks on civilians, um you know, crucifying of local communities, making life unlivable, and war after war after war, they've got away with it. You know, what we're seeing in Ukraine is almost like World War One tactics, but we're in a new environment now where there is documentary evidence, and hopefully the hope would be that, that, that someday that that could, you know, um, find justice and accountability for, for, for what's happening there. Okay, Malachi, is New York home for you now for the long term? We don't know. We don't know. I keep saying I'll be back in two years. They, they say if you spend more than five years in the state, you kind of go native. Is that it? That's the theory, apparently. Uh, yeah. I don't know what the kids would have to say about that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I am going to ask the one question that drives Irish people insane when they're abroad, because particularly when others ask it. But I'm going to ask anyway. Do you know Donny from CNN? Oh, I know Donny well. I used to work with Donny here in, in, in Ireland. Did you really? Yeah, in Dublin. And we ended up out there at the same time. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, listen, great to see you. Um, I, I don't know if there's a, a still availability tonight at UCH to come along if people want to. I don't know. Uh, I think the tickets are on Eventbrite. They're free. Um, they? Come along if you fancy it. Yeah. Brilliant. All right. Well, listen, Maliki Brown, I know it was a bit of a push for you to get in here. So we thank you very much. My pleasure. Uh, and we wish you well. And we continue to follow your work with the New York Times. Thanks very much. Take thank you. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Joe Nutch on